0: This thing with Josh was the first time that I ever ministered healing and didn't try to think the right thought, feel the right feelings, say the right words. I didn't try to do anything I was supposed to do. And I learned a lot from that. It it was that it's not about my effort, it's about his effort. Like the only secret key to healing ministry is there is no secret key. (laughs) You just rest and let Jesus do what he does instead of striving in your effort to accomplish something because when we strive in our effort what ends up happening is if god in his mercy just decides to heal anyway we think it was our effort that got Mm -hmm. the job done and we walk around in Mm -hmm. pride
1: what's up everybody welcome back to the things you don't hear in church podcast my name is ethan and my name is darry and what the heck guys why haven't you subscribed yet i've been checking i know who watches the show (laughs) and i see you haven't subscribed I'm very disappointed, but to make up for it, you can go and write a review on any place you listen, whether it's uh, Apple Music or Spotify or YouTube, wherever you're consuming this content, we'd love it if you left a review or a little comment or whatever you want. We also love to hear what you think of the show or what shows you want us to do in the future, so go Mm -hmm. leave all that in the comments, send us a DM, we're on Instagram, Facebook anywhere that you could want us to be we're probably there no one follows us on twitter but you could follow us on twitter if you want to we've also never posted but we have a twitter account, so you can go in there if you want to too but yeah
2: yeah go on tiktok guys we've been blowing up tiktok the last week and getting crazy comments shocked at how toxic they can get. i've always heard the comments can get toxic But wouldn't you know, I never knew how the the cesspool of comment sections could go.
1: It's pretty great. So if you want to have a a worse day than you're having now,
2: you can go there and read the comments. Yeah, I find it fun personally, but yeah, it's brutal. Anyways, guys, we have a great show today. We're going to be talking about healing, how God can use you to heal people, how God can heal yourself. But before we get into that, quick story time. So as you guys know, we, we run ministry schools here, and we just started a school last week. One of my students showed up and she was saying how, I don't know, like like probably whenever we dropped the episode, like a year ago, Mm. she found our show because she was looking up if Gable Price had been on any podcast. Lo and behold, he's been on ours. So she found our podcast, saw that, said things you don't hear in church and said, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I'm going to keep listening. Her boyfriend started listening. Her brother started listening. See how word of mouth and evangelism can work, guys? (laughs) Go, Go tell people. But she, they all started listening, and then when she gets the acceptance packet for her, the school that she's in, that I run, it says, Ethan Peterson, school director. And she's like, I know that name. Why do I know that name? And then she apparently she looked me up on Instagram and found who I was and was like, oh my gosh, this is the podcast guy. And Boy, so I want to give a quick shout out to Grace, Matt, and Sterling. You guys, what's up? Welcome. Um, Sorry, uh, Matt and Sterling. I'm going to try my best to get Grace to watch Rings of Power. So if she watches (laughs) Rings of Power, hate me, not her. All right. Anyways, with that being said, we have an amazing show today. We have Pastor Art Thomas on the show today. And Pastor Art Thomas has been in ministry for 20 years. He's an author, speaker, Pastor, he's come on shows such as Sid Roth's "It's Supernatural" and "Christ for All Nations" TV, and he has experienced healing and seeing the Lord heal people for many years, and that's his main um, like niche that he talks about. Mm. We were just talking before the show, even yesterday. He, found, he, he was praying for someone, many people at this service and saw healing. So definitely someone who has a lot of experience, a lot of experience mm. has taught on it a lot. He authority joins in us. It. Yeah, a lot of yeah. authority. He joins us today. So, Pastor Art Thomas, thanks for coming on. Also, guys, this is all the books he's written, if you wanted to see. When I <laughs> met him, he's like, Do you have any room in your bag? And I was like, a little bit. And bless me with this amazing amount of resources that I'm stoked to get into. I think I'm gonna read the word of knowledge one. He's read a little of all of them. <laughs> I, read, I read from all of them, right? Yeah. But yeah, is there anything that we missed in there that you want to cover yourself?
0: No, man, you just made me want to meet me. So it's
2: all good. <laughs> Where is plan. this guy? That's, that's You're like, yeah, who is this guy? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so let's get into your journey into like how you got into healing ministry or your how your theology developed into healing and yeah just take us through like Mm. when you knew nothing about it up until now and the whole journey that that's been in
0: yeah all right uh i'll try to give you the short version because it's actually a long story but basically i was born and raised in a spirit-filled church you know healing is one of our core doctrines we believe this stuff um when i was uh it was around uh 2000 Eight, um, I was on staff at a large, uh, large-ish Assemblies of God church and uh, serving in uh, student ministries. And um, there was a husband and wife in our church who were both diagnosed with cancer. Both of them were absolutely convinced God wanted to heal them. But I was doing the pastor thing, which and I, I don't say that to throw shade at pastors because I'm a pastor. But any pastors know what I mean where it's like, I care about people's hearts so much That I'm like, I'm thinking through all the what ifs, all the contingency plans. Mm. Like, you know, I want to make sure they're not putting all their eggs in the basket of healing. Because then when one of them doesn't get healed, is how I'm thinking, then I don't want the other one's faith to be shipwrecked, Mm. right? So I would, you know, I'd pray for them like, Lord, if it's your will, would you do this? Uh, And then they wouldn't get healed. So obviously that means it's not God's will because it couldn't be a problem with my faith. And, uh, you know, I had all kinds of reasons of, you know, there's mystery and maybe it's God's timing and all of these kind of things. Right. Well, this couple was still convinced and uh, they went to every healing meeting they could find. And they finally went to this one where the husband was healed and the wife wasn't still, but the husband Mm -hmm. was. And uh, they were rejoicing over that Uh, a couple months later. And now, first of all, I'm bothered because I'm (laughs) like, why did it work that time? Because my thought was, well, if I pray if it's God's will and it it doesn't work, that means it's not God's will to heal him. But that would mean God's up in heaven going, not my will, not my will, not my will. Oops, I I gave that healing minister a gift. I guess I have to do it this time. Hmm. That doesn't make sense. And so then I'm like, well, maybe it was just God's timing. But that was troubling, too, because it's like, you know, why was it a whole bunch of healings happened in one place at one time? Like, why did God's timing for so many people converge on one healing minister? <laughs> right? Shouldn't they it's be like more a moon cycle? You know you just got to catch the wave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, the stars have to align and all. It's, it's garbage. You know, I I thought maybe it's that guy's gift, but again, like gifts don't trump the will of God. They illustrate hmm. it. So, I'm I'm like processing all this. And then the wife ended up in hospice care. Our whole church fasted and prayed for her for a week, and she died of cancer. Mm-hmm and i came away from that thinking god what's the deal like we did way more for her healing than we did for mm-hmm. his we didn't fast and pray for a week for him and he's healed fast and pray for a week for her and she's not and you know i didn't find an easy answer but at that time but i was like you know what this was the the best conclusion i came to maybe i don't know everything about healing that i think mm-hmm. i know uh, I, I thought at that time, I mean, the way I put it is I had developed a very complicated theology to make myself comfortable with my lack of results. Mm-hmm. I had never seen a healing happen through my hand, and I had all kinds of reasons why, mm-hmm. right? And I had these go-to scriptures that I would give people about Jacob's limp and Paul's thorn in the flesh and Paul leaving Trophimus sick in Miletus and all the, you know, like all the stuff and Jesus's hometown and, the, you know, just all mm-hmm. these things. Um, But it's like I had a really great understanding of uh, why they weren't healed and no understanding of how to get them healed, which is not very Mm. helpful. Mm -hmm. So I uh, decided I'm just going to scrap everything, all the all the books I'm reading, all the podcasts I'm listening to. Sorry, guys. And uh, (laughs) and, like, I'm just going to read the four Gospels in the book of Acts. Mm. And I studied it like it was the first time I ever read Mm. this. I'm like, what? What conclusions would I draw if I was a first century believer hearing this story for the first time, and and I'm just reading it at face value? And um, I I started reading, and I'm reading things like in Matthew 4, and in fact, some of them, uh, I think I have them here on my phone, yeah, Matthew 4, 24, news about him spread all over Syria, and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Matthew 8, 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Matthew nine thirty five, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Noticing a common thread here, mm. right? Like, it always worked for mm-hmm. Jesus. And we're not even out of Matthew yet, <laughs> right? Like, I'm not going to read all <laughs> these but for those note-takers among you. Uh, Matthew fourteen thirty-five to thirty-six, Mark six fifty-six, Luke four forty, Luke six eighteen to nineteen, Acts ten thirty-eight. Sorry, note takers, you'll have to pause to get all those. All right, but you get the idea. Like, and Acts ten thirty-eight really bugged me because this is where Peter's preaching to Cornelius's household, and he says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was mm. with him. Okay. I believe John 1.1, 1, 1, which says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I believe in the deity of Christ. I preach it. No question about that, right? That doesn't bother me. Um, but what's weird about Acts 10.38 is it doesn't say Jesus healed everybody because he was God. It says God, meaning the Father, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. So there was something about Jesus' ministry of healing that was not based on the fact that he was God, but based on the fact that God was with him in the person of the Holy Spirit. Even though he was God, that wasn't the reason he healed mm-hmm. all. And so I was wrestling with that because I'm like, well, God's with me and I'm anointed with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? So why is not everybody getting healed mm-hmm. through me? Something's up here, right? Man, I, I wrestled with this for months, three months. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought every question, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh, what about Paul leaving Trophimus, you know, all mm. this stuff. And my concern was, you know, I'm a pastor, I don't want to, you know, try to fit a square peg in a round hole mm. and force a theology that doesn't yeah. work just to, you know, make it make sense for me, right? I'm like, I, this needs to be simple, it needs to be straightforward, clear. And what I found was, the square peg in the round hole was what I was doing before. Mm. I found out all those other scriptures, they all had simple responses. Um, And we can go into those later if you like, you know, uh, just ask me about them. But uh, they're they're simple ones, right? And, um, you know, I ended up writing like 50 pages of notes that ended up becoming a book uh, later that it's just like, they're simple, simple answers. Hmm. God really does want to heal. And by the end of three months, I was convinced, okay, God wants to heal, Jesus paid for it, no more questions. I'm ready to go. And I couldn't unsee it. Like it was so clear in the scriptures, I was broken. (laughs) Right. I still had never seen a healing though. So I get up in front of my youth group and I preach to them. Hey, guys, I don't know what to tell you, but I've been preaching wrong for a long time. Uh, I've just spent three months really studying this out. And I am dead set convinced of something now that like I can't I can't argue any Mm -hmm. other way. God wants to heal and he wants to use you to do it. Jesus said, everyone who believes in me will do the same works I've been doing and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Everyone wants to debate what he meant by greater works. Let's start with same works (laughs) and then we can talk about greater. Like anybody who's not doing the same works as Jesus, I don't think has any authority to speak on what greater works means. That's just my hmm. opinion. Anyhow, so... You know, it's, it was like I, sh- I preached to them and I shared with them all this logical explanation of everything I'd seen. They were probably having a snooze fest because, you know, I'm geeking out over all these little yeah, yeah. intricate <laughs> details. And, and they're like, <laughs> right. But uh, at the end, I figured, you know, let's just throw a bunch of spaghetti against the wall and see mm. what sticks. Right. Like, let's have all the students minister healing to each other and maybe a miracle will leak out. Like, hopefully someone has. faith right? <laughs> And uh You know I had like 24 students in the room so I broke them into three groups of eight because they're teenagers and it's not like they've got arthritis and stuff right so I figured I I just said maybe somebody sprained their ankle in gym class and if nobody in your group of eight has anything I know someone's got an ant with cancer or Mm. something let's just put this into practice we're gonna pray so uh, the the group closest to me we had an intern at our church named Josh and being an intern at the time this was 2009 August Mm. uh, he had um, Uh, no health insurance, no uh, income, right? And so he got an ear infection and just let it go. And being a tough guy, young 20-something, he didn't want to tell us that he was in excruciating pain and starting to lose hearing in his ear. And uh, so it was a pretty rough situation. So he's got these little 7th grade boys praying for him. Uh, One of those guys, his sister is now on staff at my church, which Hmm. is a lot of fun, but uh, Justin and Joey. And uh, they're praying for him. And after... I don't know, two, three minutes, everybody is just chattering, right? Josh comes up to me and he goes, Pastor Aaron, I feel really bad. Like, uh, I don't know what to do. I go, "What? what's the problem? He goes, well, they prayed for me and it didn't work. What should I do? Like, I don't want to let them down. They're all like excited and everything. I said, eh, tell them to pray again. He goes, really? I said, Yeah. I didn't know, I was just telling them to do what I saw someone else do on YouTube. You know, like <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, I've never done this, right? So he goes back and he said, pray again, they're like, really, yeah, really, so they pray again for him. This time Justin and Joey come up to me, Pastor Art, we tried everything, I s- and now at this moment I'm not thinking, let me show them how it's done. I'm just a smart aleck youth pastor with a sense of humor, and I'm like, you just said you tried everything, and I know everything is a really big list. So. You know, just for the joke, right? I go, really? You tried everything. What did you try? They're like, well, we prayed for him. We laid hands on him. We said in Jesus' name. I said, okay, you didn't try You didn't try everything. They're like, yeah, we did. I go, did you try this? And I walk up to Josh and I stick my finger in his ear as a joke. And I said, open. And Josh goes, oh my gosh, that worked. <laughs> and I go, oh my gosh, that worked? Are you serious? Like, up until that time... My experience with healing ministry was I closed my eyes really tight because everybody knows I closed my eyes last time and it didn't work. So obviously i got to close them <laughs> tighter. And I'm going to pray every scripture I know about healing. Jesus, I know by your stripes we're healed. You sent your word and healed our disease and, you know, whatever, right? And then I'm going to, like, barter with God or or come up with some legal argument for why this person needs to be healed, like, God, you know this brother in the wheelchair, everybody's seen him in the wheelchair, and if he was walking around, it'd be such a testimony for your kingdom, or Lord, you know this woman, she's, she's got these four kids, and if she could uh, didn't have these back problems, she'd be able to walk and take care of those kids, as though God needed strategy to heal hmm. people, as though his love for them wasn't enough, right? Arguably, I was praying to the wrong God. Hmm. I was praying to a God who didn't have more compassion than me. Hmm. And, uh, like when, when I started to see the nature of God and his love for people, right. I, I mean, back in these times, I'm like praying all these things and I'm like giving them a little shake. Cause they, I want them to know I'm really moving in the spirit you know? <laughs> like, and, and, I'm you know, if you're Pentecostal, you're praying in tongues. And if you're really Pentecostal, you're adding extra syllables <laughs> up to your, words, and you're like, you know, you shout and you shake your fist and you stomp your foot and you, you know you and and then uh you know at some point you're trying to push power out your arm and then you just walk away and hope that somehow mystically later in the week they start to feel mm. better cuz certainly it's not happening mm. right in front of me and that was my exposure to healing up mm. to that point this thing with josh was the first time that i ever ministered healing and didn't try to think the right thought feel the right feelings say the right words i didn't try to do anything i was supposed to Hmm. do and i learned a lot from that it it was that it's not about my effort it's about Hmm. his effort like the only secret key to healing ministry is there is no secret key (laughs) you just rest and let jesus do what he does instead of striving in your effort to accomplish Hmm. something because when we strive in our effort what ends up happening is if god in his mercy just decides to heal anyway we think it was our effort that got Hmm. the job done and we walk around in Hmm. pride. And so I've learned, you know, there are times I just I tried and it didn't happen. You know, Paul says, uh, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's lots of patterns to this world, in particular in this area uh, of healing. One of the patterns of this world is if you try something that doesn't work, try harder. Hmm. So like if I can't get the lid off the mayonnaise jar, I'm putting more leverage into it and, you know, beating it with a knife or running it underwater, whatever grandma told you to Hmm. do. Right. And, uh, and, and putting more effort in. But in the pattern of the kingdom is try less, trust more. Hmm. That's when I hand the mayonnaise jar to my wife and she opens it instantly. Yeah. Right. So it's like it's not about me, it's about him and my job is to learn to trust. So that was uh, August 2009 and uh, Josh gets healed. The very next day uh, we had a young adult meeting. Josh comes in, tells everybody what happened. Some people are like, well, I need healing too. And in that moment, I knew, because they're all looking at me, right? And I knew, okay, I could be the healing guy, or uh, we can be the healing church. And I didn't want to steal that from the body. So I said, okay, I am i don't want to be that guy. I'll, I'll pray for you, but I want us to minister to each other. And so I had people, I'm like, you, go lay hands on them. Just tell them to be healed in Jesus' name. Rest in your heart. Don't make a big thing, you know? And people are getting healed we had another intern named jen she comes in the back room she's got her arm in a sling because she had fallen down a flight of stairs and grabbed the railing on her way down tore her muscle she's scheduled for surgery and um she comes in with her sling and we all turn and look at her with big eyes like fresh (laughs) (laughs) meat right and she goes what's going on we're like it doesn't matter you know she comes over my wife puts her hand on Jen's shoulder and uh, she takes off her sling and starts doing windmills. And she's like, all the pain's wow. gone. Um, w- one week later, she's throwing bags of Lithu- uh, bags of rice in Lithuania uh, on a nice. missions trip. Like nothing ever happened. Carrying her own luggage and everything. No more mm-hmm. surgery. Um, like this, this just Wednesday, Thursday. Then that Sunday. Oh, in fact, I forgot. On Thursday, uh, another pastor on staff with me. His name's Jason. He had bone spurs in the back of his neck. Uh, that caused migraine headaches and uh, a few times when he rode roller coasters he would black out and his doctor told him if you ever ride a roller coaster like never ride a roller coaster again because you could die and uh, it just so happened that weekend that Saturday we already had scheduled a trip to Michigan Adventure a theme park uh, a few hours from us and so we went there and he like we had prayed for him and his neck was feeling great on Thursday so when Saturday came he goes all right man Uh, I've been feeling great since Thursday. I think I'm going to ride some roller coasters, but I need you to sit next to me uh, because if I die, I need you to raise me from the dead. (laughs) I didn't want to tell him I didn't know how to do that either. But, uh, (laughs) you know, we went for it. And he rode roller coasters all day, never had a problem. He was healed of the bones in his neck. So then Sunday, he shares that testimony to the church and has everybody in the congregation, anyone who needs healing, stand up. Everybody gather around, pray for him. And we had a bunch of people start getting healed. And it was like for three or four weeks, this was every week, miracles, mm. miracles, miracles. And then there's like a husband and wife. One was healed of cancer and one of diabetes within a week oh. of each other. And I mean, crazy long-term things. We we had this really tall usher uh, named Jeff. We called him Walking Stick Jeff because he carried this big old walking stick and you know, uh, had back problems, all uh, just like pain throughout his body, chronic pain. He was on all these painkillers. Uh, Jason and I prayed for him at the end of a meeting, and he goes, who had their hands on my lower back and I'm like nobody uh, maybe Jesus <laughs> like I don't know he goes I feel good I go take a few steps see how you feel he takes off walking goes up the stairs down and he's like oh my gosh he's bending twisting totally healed mm. and uh, walking stick Jeff became Jeff it was great wow. so <laughs> you know this was like the launch into this thing and then I start praying for people on the streets and and uh in April 2011 that's when I started traveling ministry and um it, it was just like all history from there. So I guess I told you somewhat the long that's version. Awesome, but, uh, yeah, that's yeah that's no,
2: that's great. One. Yeah, <laughs> amazing.
1: Really cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
2: so you had mentioned how you had like wrestled with uh, it must not be God's will. Um, so I have a question about that because I know when I've had that excuse. So like the weird thing with me is like I think for some reason healing is like one of the most difficult things that has been Something that I've confronted in my walk when it Mm. comes to like my Christian faith, which I don't really have an excuse for Mm. because I've prayed for people and seen them healed and I've been healed. And it's just like, I'm always like, I don't know why this is so difficult, but Mm. that doesn't change like my pursuit of it. But I've been the person also to say like, oh, it must not be God's will. So what is like, Mm -hmm. do you think, I I, I don't, what's it called when you it two options? A false dilemma. Mm-hmm. I don't want to create a false dilemma. Yeah. But is it that yeah. like that? That's true, or is it motivated by fear, or is there like another option?
0: Mm. Ooh, good question. Um, okay, here's here's a way I'll think uh, that I think about it. Right? Because um, the the simple response is it's always God's will to heal. Um, to explain that in a deeply theologically profound way, though, uh, takes a lot more nuance, mm. right? So uh, let's step away from healing for a second and talk salvation. Second uh, Peter 3.9 says, the Lord wills that none should perish and all would come to repentance. Mm. Uh, along those lines, First Timothy two four says, God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of him. So we have no question, biblically, God wants everyone saved. And yet, the reason you do what you do and I do what I do is because there are people dying in their sin going to hell, right? So it's like, okay, well, that means God's will is not always done. So that's a thing. Hmm. <laughs> like, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that, why do I have to test and approve what God's will is if it's always done? Shouldn't I just blindly accept everything as God's hmm. will? So uh, his will is apparently good, pleasing, and perfect. So something's going on there. In fact, we know where his will is done perfectly. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, just as it is in heaven. Well, in heaven, nobody's sick. In heaven, healing always works because nobody's mm-hmm. sick, right? We don't have to worry about what if it doesn't work. In heaven, uh, you know, nobody's poor, and so we feed the hungry. Uh, nobody's nobody is mourning, so we wipe away tears and comfort those who mourn. In heaven, uh, no one's lonely, so, you know, partnering with the Lord he, who sets the lonely in families, uh, we gather as the family of God and, and care for one another. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like all of the stuff we do as Christians is bringing His kingdom, reality, into this world. And, of course, no one's sick there, no one's dying there, no one's dead there. I mean, they're, they're all alive, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus ruins every funeral he ever goes to, including his own, right? It's like, this is just what we do as kingdom people. Uh, He says, just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give. John 5, right? So what's that mean? It means that sometimes it's not that people aren't healed because God doesn't want to do it. Sometimes they're not healed because I don't want to do it. As a son of Hmm. God, you know, sometimes I'm just not willing to give life. But I am a life bringer full of the Spirit, rivers of living water flowing out of me. And when you read Ezekiel talking about the river coming from the temple, which were the temple of the Holy Spirit, that river is bringing life to everything it touches, right? The Dead Sea springs to life and it teems with living creatures and, and everywhere the river flows, it comes to life, right? That's the river of life that's flowing out of us and that's the Holy Spirit. And uh, man, that's what we're, what's available to us. It's what we're called to. So, um, you know, going back to the nuance thing, is it that God wants to send people to hell? No, his will is none should perish. Uh, But also the thing that gets in the way of his will is when we don't put our faith in him. Hmm. Now, here's where you got to be careful with that statement is there's a lot of um, sick people who have been spiritually abused by folks blaming them for Hmm. not being healed. Like you need to have more faith. It's your fault, Hmm. right? and that can be emotionally exhausting for a person who's been seeking healing for a long time and not receiving it i had a woman in uh, west virginia come up to me at the end of a meeting after everybody had healed ministered healing and after a bunch of miracles happened she's dragging an oxygen tank behind her and she's got tears running down her face and she goes 20 years ago my pastor told me that the reason i'm not healed yet is because i have hidden sin in my life and for 20 years i've been begging the holy spirit even tonight to tell me what is the hidden sin, and he won't tell me. Why won't he tell me? I said, because you don't have hidden sin in your life. She goes, well, how can I know that? I said, because the Holy Spirit wants you to be holy even more than you do. And if you're asking him to reveal hidden sin in your life, he's not going to hide it from you for 20 years. (laughs) And then I ministered (laughs) healing to her, right? So it's like we've done damage to people in the body of Christ by by blaming the victim, right? So there's only one example in all of Scripture of a follower of Jesus trying to minister healing in Jesus' name. They're authorized to do so. They've been given power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases, and they go out to do it, and it mm. doesn't work. <laughs> like Luke 9:1, he gave his disciples mm. demons and cured diseases, uh, and he sent his disciples out to preach the gospel of the, or preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. And by the end of the chapter, like not even to the end of the chapter, They try to minister to this little boy, and they can't do it. Hmm. And it's in Luke 9, Mark 9, and Matthew 17. And when you combine all the story accounts together, uh, you get this one narrative where Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they're up on the Mount of Transfiguration, which is a great name for a mountain you're going to get transfigured on. (laughs) And then Jesus, Peter, James, and John come down off the mountain, and they find the other nine disciples there uh, uh, arguing with the teachers of the law, right? Hmm. And Jesus goes, what are y'all arguing about? I don't know. Well, first of all, the, the boy's dad tells them, I brought my boy to your disciples. They couldn't heal him, right? Mm. And tells the story. I don't know what their arguments were, but I do know this. When we have a lack of results, we like to produce arguments. Mm. And we like to come up with all the reasons why. So I don't know what their arguments were, but I know what ours tend to be. Mm. Maybe that little boy didn't have enough faith. Maybe the boy's dad didn't have enough faith. Maybe it's you, teachers of the law. You're creating this atmosphere of unbelief, and we just can't push through. Um, you know, Maybe it's just God's timing. You know, check, check with us next time we pass through your village. Mm. right? Like We come up with all these reasons. Again, theirs could have been different, but, but that's ours. Mm. Jesus shows up, and he says, bring the boy. Well, first he says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, mm. how long will I put up with you? Mm. In other words, Jesus is acknowledging I'm in an atmosphere of unbelief and he's not intimidated by it. Mm. Bring the boy to me. Come out of this boy, you impure spirit. Gone, that that quick. Mm. Later the disciples come and go, why did it work for you and not for us? And depending whether you're reading Matthew or Mark, you're gonna get a different response to that question. But in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 17, he says, "Uh, because you had so little faith, Mm. the ministers, Mm
2: -hmm. I don't
0: like that answer because I've had people die on me, Mm. right? I don't like that answer. But I do uh, recognize when you look through the, the Gospels, with as often as Jesus rebuked his followers for their lack of faith, if I'm never getting rebuked for my lack of faith, am I really following the same Jesus, mm. right? So when I saw that, I'm like, okay, Lord, rebuke my lack of faith. Like whenever you see it, I want you to call it out in me. Mm. Because I want to trust you as you trusted the Father when you walked this earth, mm. right? And uh, I want to I learn to have faith like mm. you. Um help me, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, Jesus says, because you had so little faith, if you had faith, even so small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed and thrown in the sea, and it would be done. Mm-hmm. So in Jesus's definition there, if the mountain moves, there's faith. If the mountain doesn't move, it wasn't faith. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't like that, because like I had all these feelings and I trust the Lord. And are you telling me I'm not safe because I prayed for someone and they weren't healed? No, no, no. There's a difference between faith for one thing and mm. faith for another. Like, um, you know, I have faith in my wife. I trust her to raise my kids mm. well. I know that if I leave my kids alone with my wife, they're not going to grow up to be serial killers. You know, like it's going to go well. But if I'm standing on the roof of my house and my wife says, jump, I'll mm. catch you. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Right Now, does that mean we're not married? No. Does that mean that I don't trust her implicitly with everything else? No. It means in this one specific area, I perceive a limitation. Mm-hmm. But with God, there are no limitations. So I have no reason not to trust him in everything, right? And so, you know, if you prayed for someone and they're not healed, don't beat yourself up. In fact, here's the other thing. Cast your burdens on Jesus for he cares mm-hmm. for you. Right? The burden of them not being healed is not my burden to carry. If I had to carry around the emotional weight of every person I've prayed for who wasn't healed, I'd have quit this long time ago. Right? But instead, uh, I cast my burdens on Jesus and I take enough responsibility to go to the Lord and say, Jesus, I know if you laid hands on that person, that would have worked. Instead, they got me. What's the difference between your ministry and my ministry? Teach me to trust the Father like you. Help me to grow. And little by little, he's shown me these things that are always, they always have to do with me. You know, I'm more impressed with the sickness than I am with mm-hmm. him. Or, i am you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I've, I've got a misperception of God. Like I'm, I'm trying to twist his arm as though he's reluctant to give this, this healing to this person. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of little reasons like that that all exist between my own ears. And uh, little by little over time, uh, he teaches me more and more and I keep putting more and more of my unbelief on the cross so that I can follow him more fully. So here's where the nuance comes in. If I lay hands on someone and they're not healed, technically speaking, yeah, God is saying no. But he's not saying no to them. He's saying no to me as a minister. Mm -hmm. And the good news is I'm not their last hope. There are millions of other Christians on this planet who are also supposed to be able to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Like they can get healed five seconds later by anybody else, right? So I don't have to walk around feeling like I'm I'm the only like that's not me. Hmm. We are the body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you know it's very low pressure healing ministry, and and we live this in our in our church, and people see healings on a regular basis. Um, there's at least one healing a week, and I can say that without exaggeration. Uh, there are usually more, hmm. so this is what we're used to. It's just normal. Hmm. Uh, just a quick question on
1: that. Um, I know we, like you were talking, we have like our reasons why God doesn't heal someone. and pray for them a lot of the times, and you mentioned one um, earlier that like it might not be His timing. Um, is it possible that that could be a legitimate response at times? Because I know I've heard a few stories. I've heard a few stories before of like. Uh, someone prayed for healing, it didn't happen, and then uh, they went to the hospital, like for the thing that, I think the person, uh, I forget what, what was wrong with them, but they went to the hospital, and we know this person personally, um, they went to the hospital, and someone prayed for them there after a doctor had like diagnosed them, then they were healed, and then the doctor gave their life to the Lord. And so like, it seems like in my mind, like mm-hmm. there was a greater purpose for them not yeah. being healing, so the doctor could come to know the Lord. Yeah. Um, what do you think about something like that?
0: Yeah, so first of all, praise God for that, yeah. right? That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, we are Christians, which means we follow Christ. And I look at the life and ministry of Jesus, and it was always now. Now there were there was one recorded exception um, uh, with with healing, and that would be the lepers that as they went, they were cleansed. Hmm. but it's it's kind of unclear as to whether that was like they turned their back and took one step and were cleansed, hmm. or, you know, a mile down the road, they were cleansed, whatever. What we do know is it had to happen in the same day because one of them came back and found Jesus in the same place right. and you know thanked him, right? Um, maybe the guy who Jesus put the mud in his eyes and sent him to the pool of Siloam to wash but someone could argue that maybe he was healed as, as soon as Jesus touched him but he just had to wash the mud out of his mm-hmm. eyes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that one's you can't really make a theology out of that one. Yeah, yeah. The other uh, possibility would be Lazarus, and this is the, probably the closest we have, hmm. where word comes, Lazarus is sick, Jesus delays for days, right? Hmm. And then, by word of knowledge, tells his disciples, Lazarus is dead, right? And you know, now they go, and when they get there to Bethany, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days, and Jesus says, it's for your sake that I've been hmm. delaying, right? For whose sake? For, for the disciples, right? Hmm. And so they, you know, they go to the tomb of Lazarus and, and uh, you know, there's the whole thing about the resurrection and the life and boom, here comes Lazarus. He's raised from the dead and presumably he's healed of the sickness and didn't die two days later, right? So, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, yeah. that's just logic, right? <laughs> so, uh, what should have happened was that should have s- sustained the disciples in the days between Jesus' death and resurrection. Reminding them that he is the resurrection and the life, he has authority over death. Uh, it doesn't look like they quite held on to <laughs> that promise, but it was, you know, it was at least available <laughs> to them, right? Um, so, here's here's what I want to do in my theology, is I never want to make a rule out of the hmm. exception, right? Hmm. So, now is the day of salvation. I want to I wanna lean on and bank on hmm. the rule. And if there's an exception, cool, you know? Um, but I, I try not to make excuses. I try... I try to always go to the Lord and be like, Lord, change Mm. me instead of, no, I did everything right. And this is probably one of those Mm. exceptions. Right. Um, And and with that, I think, um, you know, there's another component here that could be at play. I have a very similar kind of story where I suffered with degenerative disc disease for Mm. several years. In fact, um, I was healed in April 2011. But again, I started healing ministry August 2009. So for a year and a half, I watched other people's backs get healed while I was still taking Vicodin to survive mm. through the day. Right, so I get healed and wind up on stage, and and I'm you know this guy gives me a prophetic word. of Will Hart for those who know who he is, and he gives me this prophetic word that that um, basically launched me in a ministry. And one could say, well, it's obvious why God didn't heal you for all that time, so you could end up on stage with Will Hart and he could give you that prophetic word, and launch you into ministry. And um, I'm like. Uh, you know, maybe, but I think there's also another possibility, mm. and it's this. God loves to overcompensate for injustice. Mm. You see it all throughout the scriptures. And this is really good news for any of you who have prayed for someone and lost mm. them, like, the, like it just the miracle didn't happen, they died of their condition, or those of you who are still contending for your miracle, whether for you or for a loved one or whatever. Um, God loves to overcompensate for injustice and if Jesus paid the price for that person to be healed and they're not healed, that is unjust. And it's unjust toward the Lord. He deserves for them to be healed, Hmm. right? So what do I do with that information? Well, I look in the scriptures and I see that, you know, there was all this injustice the devil worked against Job. He was a righteous man. He didn't deserve any of that. Hmm. He was living by faith. But the devil brought all this pain and destruction into his life. What did God do? He gave him double everything that was taken and Mm. then 140 years of long life Mm. to enjoy it. God way overcompensated. Book of Proverbs says if a thief is caught stealing, he has to repay seven times Mm. what he took. Uh, Joel, God prophesies through Joel, I will restore the years the locust has eaten, which means not only does the famine end, but now you reap more than you can consume until you're paid back everything Mm. that was taken. Like this is the God we serve. One innocent, spotless lamb of God dies a criminal's death and pays the price for all humanity's sin. That's a really big deal, right? So I bank on the overcompensating love that God has for us. And if I'm not healed yet, I just go, you know what? When the miracle comes, even bigger and better than if it had come now. Hmm. And I'm just gonna trust that this thing's gaining compound interest in the bank, you know? And and it's growing. Uh, the the tea kettle's about to scream. You know, it's it's gonna boil over any minute. So so just keep going, persevere, don't give up, and bank on the overcompensating love of God that will overcome that injustice. And uh, and and it's it's a much better way of living. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So earlier you
2: had said that if you don't, if you pray yourself for someone and they don't get healed, then there's Christians all over the world who can get the job done. So are you saying then that healing is something every Christian should do? Because that's a, that's a big question that I actually had written down is, is healing a gift for some or is it something that every Christian should do?
0: Great question. Okay, this one's kind of a longish answer, but yeah, we'll have fun with it. So uh, I believe there's a difference between gifts and signs. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, In First Corinthians 12, Romans 12, like, right? We, we, uh, Peter talks about them. We read about these gifts of the Spirit. Um, You've got prophecy and and faith and words of knowledge and and all of that stuff. Healing is on there, right? Um, And then service and and administration and leadership. Like, there's there's all these things that the Holy Spirit empowers people to do beyond human ability. Uh, And and so that's exciting Mm -hmm. now, like all that stuff is beyond human ability in in some sense, right? Like I I can't heal anybody Mm -hmm. right in in and of myself. Um, But there are also and and the implication of those scriptures when you read them and when you read the early church fathers, the way they treated the spiritual Mm -hmm. gifts. There was this understanding that everybody has like one or two or three resident gifts that they can just draw on at any time. Mm Uh, Like, I believe I've got a resident gift of teaching that the Lord has given me a grace to break down principles and communicate them and make it simple for people. And because I didn't used to talk like this, you know, I used to be very scatterbrained and everything, and it came from the Holy Mm. Spirit. And I'm like, great. So I, you know, I just kind of bank on that gift showing up whenever it's needed. I'm doing a podcast. I didn't sit there worrying. I got to prepare and all that stuff. Right. Like, I just trust the Mm. Lord. Um. But there's also, it seems, uh, gifts that the Holy Spirit, because he distributes them as he determines, like the gifts are in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's in you. And so there's the resident gifts, but there also seem to be momentary gifts Mm. as needed in the moment of ministry. And so in that sense, um, you know, I've actually practiced, I've looked through the scriptures, I've found 31 or 32, something like that, 30 some things that the holy spirit empowered people do beyond human ability Hmm. and at some point in my life i've done every single one of those things at least once and and it's like not in my own strength not in my own it Hmm. happened as i was eagerly desiring spiritual gifts and seeking the lord and saying lord i need your help and Hmm. and then suddenly he shows up with supernatural grace and it's awesome Hmm. right Mm -hmm. So then you've got signs, Uh, Mark 16, 17 to 18. I know there's some uh, debate about whether that was in the original manuscripts. I think arguably it was canon, at least uh, that the early church uh, held it as canon as Hmm. as part of the original. So at any rate, um, there are other there's there's other scriptures to support Mark 16 and Mark 16 says it concisely. So I'll use it for this. Hmm. All right. Um, uh, Jesus said these signs will accompany those who believe. Hmm. Right. In my name, they'll drive out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, uh, they'll pick up deadly snakes with their hands, and if they drink deadly poison, it won't harm them at all. They'll lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Okay, so these are signs that he's listing. They'll speak in tongues. Well, I know that there's uh, different schools of thought within the charismatic world. Um, You know, I, I interviewed people like Randy Clark and Bill Johnson and Heidi Baker and others about this subject, and... Um, you know, Randy believes that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't have to speak in tongues. Bill Johnson believes, yeah, tongues always comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He goes, I know Randy, he speaks in tongues. And all these people I know that say you don't have to speak in tongues if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of them speak in tongues. So, you know, I think there's something there. Um, our Lauren Sanford, who passed away a year or two ago, he, uh, he said, I don't believe tongues is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. I believe the fact that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit is evidence you can speak in tongues. And so if you haven't yet, if you believe you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, just start speaking. Like none of these things are allowed, uh, am I allowed to say because I have Assemblies of God credentials. I'm just telling you what they say. <laughs> <But> <laughs> you get the idea. Like like my, my goal is let's just eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit and go for everything, right? But as a Pentecostal myself, my experience has been tongues is available to everyone. Like at least uh, what we can agree on as the body of Christ, at least as the, the charismatic Pentecostal world, right, hmm. is that on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Which means God's prototype for the first church was 100% everybody speaking in tongues. That's Scripture. We can agree there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's something going on there. And so I believe that there is a sign of tongues that is for all believers. And then there's like maybe this gift that's interpreted in a meeting and that sort of thing. Maybe there's a difference there. But at the very least, we can set that one aside. He says they'll drive out demons. Well, driving out demons isn't a gift of the spirit for only some. Hmm. Like that's for all believers. He was even demonstrating that by sending out the 12 and then sending out the 72, right? Like Jesus proved this is for everybody. The 72 others, the ones who weren't even as close to him as the 12, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got, um, you know, they'll, they'll drink deadly poison and it won't harm them at all. Well, wait a minute. How's that a gift of the spirit, which are for the common good, right? Like this week, sister Gladys is going to drink poison <laughs> for you. You know, like that's, it just doesn't make sense. Right. But divine protection does make sense. And so you've got, you know, this is not snake handling and we're going to dance around with snakes, but Paul reaches in the firewood, the viper bites his hand and, the islanders expect him to die and nothing happens and they start worshiping him and he preaches the gospel. You know, it's like this, there's this divine protection available. That's a sign that accompanies those who believe and then they'll lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. So let me simplify this even further. Uh, John 14, 12. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, everyone who believes in me will do the same works I've been doing and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the hmm. Father. Everyone. I mean, you look that up in the Greek, what it means is everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just all of us. And so uh, if I believe that to be true, then I'm just going to go for it. Je- Jesus wants to heal through everyone. And, uh, and I'm going to proclaim that to everyone. And, and so my experience has been, um, I mean, people can see this on YouTube and, and just watch it happen. I preach on healing and then I turn people loose to minister to each other. Sometimes I'll minister to someone. Sometimes I'll bring someone up in front of everyone and show, like, this is what hmm. you do, and then they get healed. I've had a couple times where I brought someone up in front of everyone, show them what to do, and they didn't get healed. And, uh, and I just had to process, right? I, I looked at the person. I said, listen, if Jesus did that, that would have worked. Instead, you got me, and I'm still learning to be like him. But you keep going for it. Have this person pray for you. See what happens. And oftentimes they're healed later in the meeting. But then I'll have everybody minister to each other, and I just walk around collecting testimonies and saying them into the mic so people can hear what God's doing mm. in the room. And I mean, we've seen crazy miracles. So I've, I've witnessed thousands of miracles in the last 12 years of doing this. And, you know, only a fraction of those happen through my hands, mm. you know, in the, in the hundreds range, right? Um, my goal is to see the body of Christ being the body of Christ. If the hem of his garment can heal people, how much more his pinky toe? Mm. Like it doesn't matter what part of his mm. body you are, the hem of his garments doing it. So this is for everybody, no question. Mm. Okay,
2: so two things that I have I was thinking about. One, have yeah. you received any pushback in your ministry about healings, and what was the pushback, and how did you answer? And then two, yeah. for people listening and like wanting to practice this, what would you instruct them? Like, how would you instruct them to then go about praying or? like administering healing hmm. after the podcast
0: yeah good good um before i answer those i thought of one more piece of the puzzle that might help answer that last hmm. question and, and add another layer um uh james five says is any one of you sick he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the lord and the prayer offered him faith will make the sick person well the lord hmm. will raise him up uh what happens if the elder with the gift of healing didn't show up that day is the scripture still true hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, like it. It doesn't say go to the people with the gift of healing. It says go to the elders. In other words, mature believers ought to know how to do mm-hmm. this. So I just trust the Lord in that. So how about the pushback stuff, as you asked? Okay. Um, yes, lots and lots of pushback, um, especially in the early years um, when uh i was making this transition into discovering this is real and and for everybody and preaching it with boldness and sometimes um in my delivery being a little harsher than i probably should have been um you know i would have people you know i'd I'd kind of like uh rub their flesh the wrong way and and probably Mm -hmm. unnecessarily um i i don't think it was needed but uh you know it happened um You know, i had people tell me, are you telling me I'm not saved? You know, I've already Mm -hmm. answered that one. No, there's faith for different things, right? Uh, I've had people say, well, are you saying it's my fault that my mom died of whatever? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, fault is a weird word, right? Like, uh, you know, my grandparents on my mom's side died in their sin, hating Christians and hating God. And if I ask you, where are they now? Hopefully you'll be tactful and gentle with me. But at some point we have to arrive at they didn't make it Mm. right. Unless some miracle happened at the last minute that I don't know about. Right. And um, if like the question is, is it my fault my grandparents are in hell? Well, you know, uh, I remember growing up and we're driving down to Florida to visit grandma and grandpa. and. Mom and Dad saying things like, "Now, Grandma and Grandpa don't believe in Jesus, and we're not going to pray before we eat. So, don't ask why we didn't pray, because we just want to have a peaceful meal with them, and not start an argument, right? So, was it our family's fault? Could we have um, loved more effectively, or presented Jesus more clearly, or, or uh, you know, like represented him better, or preached the gospel more fully, right? Like, is there anything we could have done that might have tipped the scales?" so that God's will could be done for them. And ultimately maybe, right? But if I walk around beating myself up over it's my fault my grandparents are in hell, like that's that's unreasonable because I'm again, this goes back to what I said earlier, I'm not their only hope. Other Christians are available, right? Like every Christian in the world that ever crossed paths with my grandparents had the responsibility <laughs> to present Jesus as mm-hmm. well, right? So you know, I, I instead, I bring the burden to Jesus. I give that to him. I say, Lord, I trust you and your mercy and your goodness. I know that whatever happens at the end of the day, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go, you are right, you are good, you are just, you are holy. And I'm going to worship you and praise you with joy. And I, you know, I don't understand it all right now, but, but you're good and, um, and I trust you. And then also with that, taking the responsibility to go, Lord, would you teach me to present the gospel more clearly? and represent mm. you more fully, and love more effectively, so that this doesn't happen for anybody else in my life, mm-hmm. right? If I'm doing that, I think that's healthy. And so the same thing with healing. If the healing didn't happen, don't beat yourself up. Trust the Lord. If, here, here's the thing. We, we as evangelicals, it's not that we're comfortable with people going to hell. If we were comfortable, we wouldn't right. evangelize. We wouldn't send missionaries. We wouldn't do those things. But But I mean theologically mm. comfortable. We have accepted that God would let people go to an eternal place of separation from him uh, based on their lack of faith. And as soon as I suggest that maybe people wouldn't be healed through me because I lack faith, suddenly everybody's like, no, (laughs) never. And I'm like, dude, the stakes are way Hmm. lower. Mm -hmm. Right? Like astronomically lower. When it comes to healing. So it, it makes way more sense that God would teach faith in something that has mm-hmm. low stakes so that on the thing that has high stakes, I learn what faith actually is and genuinely trust mm-hmm. him for my salvation,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Faith matters that much to God that our eternal destiny mm-hmm. hangs on it, right? So, uh, you know, that's, that's my response to that pushback is I'm like, let's, let's go mm-hmm. after this thing. And then beyond that, I had a friend, uh, you know, he was debating God's will to heal with me. And he goes, you know, okay, I I just I don't see how you can expect that God wants to heal everybody through you. And I go, well, uh, Jesus healed everybody. Why do you think that was? He goes, well, of course, Jesus healed everybody because he's Mm -hmm. God. But I'm just saying you're not God, so he's not going to heal everybody. I said, there's a problem with your logic. God doesn't want to heal everybody. Jesus healed everybody because he's God. Hmm. <laughs> like, do you see the problem here? Um, <laughs> maybe <laughs> Jesus was right when he said, I came to do the will of him who sent me. The one who said in John 5, 19, the son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees his father doing. Hmm. And then he went around healing everybody. And he goes, okay, well, well what about that? Like maybe maybe Jesus, uh, like he saw who the father wanted to heal and also who the father wasn't healing so he only ministered to the one the father the ones the father was healing and he never ministered to the ones the father wasn't healing and that's how he had a hundred percent results and it actually gave me pause I was like hmm that's actually thoughtful let me think about that and then I remembered verses. Uh, I referenced all those uh, references earlier um, but uh, one of them says that the the uh, people brought all the sick and begged him to let the sick touch even mm-hmm. the edge of his cloak and everyone who touched it was healed. Mm-hmm. right so like that's not Jesus playing dodgeball with them, jumping out of the way, like, not you. No, now you <laughs> touch the hem of my garment, right? Like, everybody who touches him gets healed. And so um, I'm like, okay, so that seems to be pretty indiscriminate. Hmm. Um, not to mention, Jesus explains what he means by seeing what the Father hmm. does and, and doing the same a little bit later. Uh, actually, before that and after it, first, he was always at his, his work, so I have to always be at my work. And that's why he healed on the Sabbath. That's this whole discussion's about in John 5. And then after that, the verse I quoted earlier about, um, you know, I, uh, just as the Father gives life and raises the dead, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. So, I see my Father as a life giver, I'm going to be a life giver. And he did it. Not to mention, if there's a burning building, and a guy runs inside and rescues a bunch of babies out of the burning building, you know, he's going to be in the newspaper as a hero. Man rescues a bunch of babies from burning building, you know, it's going to be great. And then they do their little investigation and find out that guy was an arsonist who set the fire so that he could run in and save a bunch of babies mm-hmm. and be a hero. Now we're throwing him in prison, right? Mm-hmm. right? And yet that's people's theology, that God's up there making everybody sick and then running around mm-hmm. putting out the fire. Like that doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense at all. Or that God the Father is up in heaven making people sick and Jesus is running around putting out the fire for his glory or whatever. But even then, it's like Jesus said, I do what I see my father doing, and he didn't go around mm-hmm. making people sick. Now, he did make Saul blind on the road to Damascus, right? But, uh, and so that's mm-hmm. another pushback I've had to which I said, okay, if you got your condition on your way to murder Christians, it was <laughs> probably God. But guess what happened? Guess what happened? Three days later, that same Jesus came to an ordinary disciple named Ananias, Mm -hmm. not an apostle, not a pastor, a disciple named Ananias, and sent Mm -hmm. him over to Saul to heal him and preach the gospel Mm -hmm. to him. And it worked. So even in the one case where Jesus did it, it still Mm -hmm. was God's will to heal. (laughs) So it's like, I don't have to question God's will. In fact, uh, Lamentations 333, I believe it is, uh, says that, That the the Lord, uh, uh, how does he, how does it put it? It's something, something about uh, the. I know the ESV says the Lord does not afflict from the heart. Um, The Lord is not. uh, It's, it's basically like he's, he's loving these people and he's, uh, he's um, uh, not wanting anyone uh, to deal with this stuff. Uh, He's, he's not willingly. He does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. I knew if I stammered long (laughs) (laughs) enough, but it's, it's there. Like Hmm. he does it. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his loving kindness, right? He does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. So this is this is what I've come to bank on. Um, and you had another question after that, and mm. oh, it was the how. Before example, that, right? um, I've
1: heard some people push back, <laughs> and, mostly cessationists, right? And so, what would be your answer to this? If someone would say, <laughs> "Well, that was really just for Jesus because he was God and the disciples who he God like appointed," but it ends after that. <clears throat>
0: Yeah. I'd say, based on Mm. what Bible verse? Amen. Nice. (laughs) Because the thing is, most cessationists, most cessationists are very Mm. Mm Bible-based people. And the closest they can come to a Bible verse is in 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, where there's tongues, they will cease, and Mm. prophecy, they will cease, and knowledge will cease. Um, Right? But these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And... Somebody, like when you read it in context, this is clearly talking about the eternal kingdom when right. all things are made right and right. everything's perfect, right? Um, but, but somebody at some point came along and said what this is about is when completion comes. That's when the Bible hmm. was canonized or that's when the last right. apostle died or and they come up with something like that. And really what this is, I believe, uh, I have nothing to base this on other than just a logical extrapolation. I think some Christian came to their pastor and said, "Hey, the Bible says we're all supposed to be doing this. Why aren't we doing it?" And the pastor goes, uh, "These things ceased. Yeah. You know, like somehow that happened at some point in history, and mm. it just spread. It's well-meaning people trying to make excuses for why they don't have results, and they pass it along to well-meaning people who pass it mm. along, you know, as well-meaning people, and mm. it's all they know. So, based on what Bible verse? Because I can point to a whole lot of Bible verses that say." everyone who believes in me, right. these signs accompany right. those who believe. Right. That's, hmm. that's pretty clear. And then you see it all throughout the Bible, all throughout the, the, the gospels, the book of Acts, you see it throughout church history in the early church. Um, and there has never been a moment in all of church history, like the last hmm. 2000 some years where healings have ceased hmm. from being practiced. There have been groups for whom healings have ceased but uh, but miracles have been all mm. the way through history yeah. right up till now. So what are we basing this on really? Is it are right. we just Yeah, like, and when it comes to like
2: the cessationist stuff, I always get like one thing I mm. want to ask them because I don't I don't know too many cessationists, but I could mm. ask them. And even like usually mm. cessationists are reformed people, but even the reformed people I know aren't really cessationists. They just mm. believe like it can happen in God's will. But like there's genuine yeah. people who practice witchcraft or people who are practicing mm-hmm. of other faiths who see quote unquote miracles or spiritual encounters. And I've just always wondered like, do you guys think that like yeah. the enemy is more active in this than God, God is? is? yeah. <laughs> like that's just, and if right. you do, that's a, yep. why are you, why, why are you serving? If you really believe that, like you might, it would make logical sense to go over there. You know, it's like where the power is, but then yeah. you recognize the powers in Christianity and that, every knee that Mm. will bow in the name of Jesus and Jesus trumps all other spirits, that's a good reason to be a Christian, you know? So yeah, so we're coming to the end of our time. We got a couple, maybe 10 more minutes, but we want to ask you, yeah, like how would someone go about ministering this and and starting in their life?
0: Yeah. Put your hand there, tell them to be healed, have them tested out. (laughs) So that's, that's Mm. the simple answer. Um, uh, now, I, I recognize ways God can heal, right? Sometimes just in a, a church meeting, I, I've had times, in fact, some of the videos on YouTube people will see this, where they introduce me and bring me up to preach and I go, hey, was anybody healed just during worship and somebody was healed wow. already, right? Nobody laid hands on them, just in the presence of the Lord, right, with God's people, rivers of living water flowing out of the church, you know, it's just uh, these people are getting impacted and they're, they're getting healed so i don't want to limit god to healing in one particular way especially since you look at the life and ministry of jesus sometimes he's putting mud in a blind Mm -hmm. man's eyes and sometimes he's grabbing a mute man's tongue and saying open and you know sometimes he's rebuking a fever from peter's mother-in-law or he's just letting them touch his the hem of his garment or he just places his hands on them right says just Mm -hmm. get up and walk doesn't even touch them right like there's all kinds of these different administering of of how he ministers Mm -hmm. healing Um, Here's the general rule. Uh, I quoted it earlier, Luke 9.1. Jesus gave his disciples power and authority to drive out all demons Hmm. and cure diseases. So there's two tools there, power and authority. Power tends to happen usually through physical contact. So like the woman with the issue of blood touches the hem of his garment. Jesus stops, goes, I felt power go out from me, right? There was a physical contact. Uh, Luke 6, there's a verse that says power was coming from him and healing them all. It's crazy. Hmm. Everybody is reaching out to touch him. The, the, all, everyone was trying to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Um, now you get into the book of Acts and you start to see the greater works happening. Now you've got Peter walking down the street and people are bringing the sick just close enough for his shadow to touch him. And they're getting healed. And I, I remember uh, walking into a meeting in Africa and the Lord told me, I just healed somebody that you walked past and I asked, Hey, is there anyone I walked past, you came with a condition, and you just got healed when I walked past you? And it was this old man, and his wow. back was healed. It was cool. Um, you know, I've, I've seen this happen uh, in, in multiple places, even in the United States, right? Um, then you have uh, uh, handkerchiefs and aprons that touched Paul's mm-hmm. body, Acts 19, are taken to the sick, and the sicknesses are cured, and the demons fled, right? First of all, how does a handkerchief know the difference between which one's a physical condition and which <laughs> one's a demon? which, right, like that tells me I only need to be as discerning as a handkerchief and I can still get the job done, right? Like I, I don't have to figure all that out. I just go minister and lay hands. If I get discernment from the Lord, great, but I don't have to. I don't have to feel like I'm unqualified because I don't feel spiritual mm-hmm. that day, right? I'm the body of Christ whether I feel it or not. Um, and, and being the body of Christ is not even just a metaphor. Like First uh, Corinthians 6.15 says that, Uh, Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Mm. Mm. Wow. So we are physical extensions of Jesus in the world. And when I'm touching somebody, Jesus is touching them. I have to think that way and just trust that He is here, that His Spirit lives in me and He's going to do His job. So it's a trust thing, it's a rest thing, it's like if I feel led to do it a particular way, I'll follow the Holy Mm. Spirit in that. But if it didn't work, I'm okay admitting I thought I heard the Lord. Sorry, I guess mm. that wasn't him,
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: I'm okay with that. If it does work, yep, that was him, right? Uh, I remember having a, being in a meeting and someone was praying for someone's neck and it wasn't getting healed, and they're on the other side of the room. And I just said, you know, that we're all ministering. Uh, and I said, is there anybody? Um, well, first I said, is anyone healed yet? Mm. Nobody's healed yet. I said, how many of you, just by show of hands, you feel like my condition's a really hard one and there's no way I'm mm. getting healed? And this girl in the back of the room raises her hand. She's the one with the neck problem. And I was about to walk over there and just get a breakthrough going for this. It was a, a Bible mm-hmm. school, actually. Get a breakthrough going. And um, I, I paused because in my spirit, I saw just this picture of her, like in my mind, taking off her hat that she was wearing. And I go, okay, this is really weird. If it doesn't work, then I just ate some bad pizza. But I, I had this picture. I want to try it and see if it's the Lord. Is that okay? Okay. Take off your hat, okay. She takes off her hat, I go test your neck out. She moves it around, oh my gosh, I'm healed. Weird, (laughs) right? I can chalk that one up to yes, that one was Mm -hmm. the Lord, right? Because it worked. Um, So if the Lord leads you in a particular way, great. If he's not, which for me is 99% of Hmm. the time. Last night I ministered to a lady's shoulder. Uh, She was in a car accident, she's been dealing with whiplash Hmm. pain, and she's had this shoulder pain for years, right? And she shows up at our church for the first time. And so um, I put my hand on her shoulder and I smiled. I said, thank you, Jesus. Shoulder be healed in Jesus' name mm. right now. All right, test that out. And she goes, oh my, I feel like it's leaving right now. I go, great. Jesus ministered to a blind man, said, what do you see? He said, I see people like trees walking around. Jesus put his hands back on the man's eyes and then his vision was fully restored. So if Jesus can have two turns, I can have like 50, <laughs> right? Like why would, I, why would I stop? He's hmm. Jesus, right? So I put my hand back on her shoulder all the way. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We bless that in Jesus' name. Shoulder be completely whole, 100% right now. She's moving her shoulder around. She goes, it's all gone. I can't hmm. believe it. It's that simple. Like nothing crazy, no big, long prayer. It's not the volume of your voice or the the you know the eloquence of your prayer. In fact, usually if I pray some eloquent prayer, it doesn't work. I've had times where I minister to someone, I go, all right, be healed in Jesus' name. Or they go, yeah, my back is killing me. I go, great, and I put my hand on their back and I go, stop it. I'm rebuking Mm -hmm. it, right? That's what Mm -hmm. a rebuke looks like. Stop it. They go, that's it? I go, listen, I know how to do a long prayer and I know how to get you healed and I don't know how to do both at the same (laughs) time. (laughs) Test it out. And they move around and they're like, oh my gosh, it worked, right? I've done this in the grocery store. Like, it doesn't matter. It's simple, simple, simple. And uh, if it doesn't work the first time, I ask them if they'll let me minister again. If it doesn't happen the second time, hey, is it OK if I try one more time? I'm not going to force you. Don't feel like you have to fake it for me to let, let you go. If you tell me no, I'll stop. But uh, I just believe God wants this for you. Is it OK if I try again? Most people are like, yeah, yeah, sure. Sometimes on the streets, third or fourth time, they're like, OK, I'm done. But in a church service, very often a Christian, they're like, no, 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 keep going. I've ministered to people for 45 minutes. Rattan, Oklahoma, a woman who was deaf from birth. uh, Over and over, ears open in Jesus' Mm. name. And he changed. Nothing had changed. Ears open in Jesus' name. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Half hour later, ears open in Jesus' name. She goes, I think I hear children over here. Uh, Her cousin is translating for her, Mm. the sign language. And um, her her ears were open and her little boy comes over. Earlier she had said, all I want is to hear my little boy laugh. And right then her four-year-old runs up, jumps on her lap, and she tickles him, and he laughs. And she looks up at me with tears coming down her face, and she nods her head, yes. Wow. And it was just like, ah, it worked. Half hour of nothing over and over, and then it happens. So I think sometimes the reason people aren't healed is just because we haven't persevered long enough to get to a place where we're really in faith and not just, you know, mm. winging it. So just keep going. Don't give up, and, and hmm. God will show it? up. Awesome
2: right on so we have a few more minutes um, and we would like to ask our guests this towards the end of the show Um, we created the show Mm. for the purpose of helping people answer the hard questions of the Mm. Christian faith we'd evangelize and people would say I stopped Mm. being being a Christian because of XYZ and we would think to ourselves that's a pretty, that's understandable why you're upset but it's not a hard question necessarily you might not like the answer but we can answer it Mm -hmm. And we found that a lot of people just didn't have like the they didn't have the answers they were looking for, and that's why this exists. So we like mm-hmm. to ask our guest, what is the what was what was the hardest thing or question you've come across as a Christian and how did you answer it that kept you being a Christian?
0: Mmm. Boy, that's yeah. a deep one. I mean obviously my brain is in gear with healing right now, and I think that was probably my hardest question was when that husband was healed Mm -hmm. and the wife died, you know, I mean, these, these people, their son and I went to preschool through eighth grade together and I had sleepovers at their house. Like these are like family to me, you know? Um, So yeah, that, that was definitely a hard question. I did go through a a phase uh, in my late teens where I was like, am I only following Jesus because I just was birthed into a Christian family? And so I read through all these books about all these other religions and things. And, and why is Christianity different from all of these? And thankfully, praise God, I ended up on uh, at the end of it being like, "Oh, Christianity is extremely mm. logical, and the Earth is not riding on the back of a giant turtle, right. and, you know, like, <laughs> like, like this is this is real, <laughs> you know, this this makes sense, and it's pretty pretty grounded, uh, mm. no pun intended there." Mm. Um, so so that was uh, pretty simple. Um, you know, coming to terms with the mm. resurrection—that this is like one of the most uncontestable historical facts in history was hugely helpful to me. Um, you know, and and through the years, you know, I I would wrestle with things like why am I not sensing God's Hmm. presence right Hmm. now? You know, and and it's been like a month or two or three or six of a dry spell and what's going on and and um, you know sharing my struggle with people and just here's the thing. I, I could give you the answer God gave me, but I think what's better than the answer is this idea of people being around you, that you're not in this alone, that there are other Christians there to help bear the burden with you and you know some of them are further along in their walk than you and they can help you, some of them you're further along than they are and Mm -hmm. you can help them and uh, something about walking with people, pacing with people, being involved in each other's lives, uh, particularly other believers, um, that's where the strength is found. So we, my church, we call it Roots Church, and part of that is because we operate like a house church network. There's this grassroots mm. kind of idea. Part of it's because we're getting back to the roots of Christianity, which is, you know, uh, house churches, house to house, and and uh, just seeing God do what he did in the book of Acts. But another part of this is this image of a blade of grass. Grass roots mm. are very shallow, and if you had one piece, one blade of grass, In a bunch of soil you could just grab that and pull it very carefully and all the roots would come up piece of cake but when there's a lawn all those little blades of grass right next to each other the roots are all interconnected and intertwined and if you pull that thing the the grass is going to break before the roots come up and i found that you know you can be a brand new believer but when you're closely connected with other believers Hmm. in relationship there is a strength there that enables you to live beyond what typical new hmm. believers live uh, like you're you're suddenly operating in this in this mindset, and you're caught up in a culture that's healthy and it's good. So I would just encourage you, no matter what your questions are, get get with other strong believers who will walk with you and love you and pace with you. I think it's awesome. going to be the best thing. For amazing.
2: You. Thank you. And is there any place that people can find your resources? In? I've got a stack of books here that you've written if people want to get a hold of those. Yeah. You have a website or your church has a website where they can get sermons. Yeah. Point, well, let's, let's point those people in that direction.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, thanks. Um, most of those books and, and DVDs and things, they're all on supernaturaltruth.com. There's also a blog there and links to a bunch of videos. Um, I'm in process of updating the website that may launch in a few months, so it may look very different for some uh, within a few days, but um, uh, then uh, our church is rootsag.org, and um, uh, there are links to our YouTube channel and things like that. If you go on YouTube and you search Art Thomas Ministries, uh, you'll find me. And then Roots Church, ours is the one with a green circle mm. logo that has a house in it with mm. roots growing out the bottom. There are a lot of other Roots Churches, but that one's us. And uh, you can find <sighs> a bunch of videos there. Other people on our staff, I share our preaching stuff. And, and we have people, John Mark Baker and Alex Perry and David Mansfield and Gracie Perry. Like they, These are like wonderful people who preach mm. the same way I do uh, with different giftings and different callings. But... Uh, we we have the same gospel mm. framework, and uh, I think it would be awesome <clears throat> to you.
2: Right on! Well, thank you so much for coming on, guys. All of that he just said will be in the description below, so mm. check that out. You know where our socials are, and we'll see you next week. See ya.